Hello, everyone. Um, so we're continuing with, over these summer months, just looking over the seminars that took place at Pilgrimage 17. And what I'm going to do today is just take you through what my seminar was about. So, yeah, it's Principles of Number Two, Lessons from Middle Earth. So I, for those of you who know me, I'm a massive geek, and I love stuff like Lord of the Rings fantasy. It's really something that interests me greatly. And I think it's really interesting that... God can use anything to speak to us. Um, and I think that it's amazing that through stories, through fantasy, he can actually show us some really interesting things. So today we're going to be looking at what makes a better follower or a, a number two. Um, in the world, it can often be... Yeah, let me just address the number two thing because that, I know that's just... Yeah, okay. It sounds wrong, but we... Yeah, okay. Just get it out of your system. <laughs> And then, yeah. <laughs> um, but the what the topic, what that term means, is about being a better follower. In this world, uh, there's a great emphasis on being a leader, being at the forefront, being the one that spearheads things, and that is important, and that is good, and it's important that we have people that do that. But what we believe is that it's just as important to be a follower, a good follower. And what that means is being someone's cheerleader, being their right-hand man, being the one that kind of walks alongside people on their journey. And I think that there's great value in being that kind of person and putting your weight behind what someone else is doing to give it momentum. So that is what we are going to be talking about today. And sometimes that relationship is easy to define. There are leaders that we, uh, that we serve under. Um, there's a boss at work that we, uh, that we work for. So sometimes it's easy to see that kind of relationship at play of being a follower. But sometimes it's not as easy, but it could be that relationship could be in full flow. Um, so an example that I can use of a traditional example is that Heather and I serve Jamie um, in the youth ministry thing of Jamie's leading this thing and we serve him but there's also uh, something that I I would say I'm following or putting my weight behind is example is my friend who is doing uh, occupational therapy at uni and when he told me that he wanted to go on that course I said that I wanted to support him and be behind him as he did that and just be a support to him so that is just as much a follower and leader relationship because he's leading in that he's at the forefront of being there, being the man on the ground, doing the course, doing the placement, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm there behind the scenes kind of cheering him on. So as we go through this seminar, as we go through this talk, I encourage you to hold someone in your mind, someone in your mind that you believe is leading or that you are following, someone that you have decided to get behind, decided to support as they go for something that God has for them. It will just make it a bit easier if you can hold that person in your mind. So what we're going to do is I'm going to show you some video clips from the film The Lord of the Rings. And then I'm going to show you the discussion questions that we went over in P17 and some of the answers that came out of those. And I'll also mix in some of my own thoughts as well. So by show of hands, who's, who knows the story of The Lord of the Rings? Okay, it's actually 50-50. Um, I will do my utmost best to pray see the whole story of Lord of the Rings in 30 seconds flat. <laughs> 
Um, basically, in essence, there's a dark lord called Sauron who fell in battle a long time ago, but he infused all of his spirit, all of his essence into this ring, this magic ring. And what happened was, uh, at the battle that he fell, the ring went missing. Uh, no one uh, knew the whereabouts of it. And for 2,000 years, it was just out of sight and out of mind. But then, after that time, a hobbit, which is a small little fella with big hairy feet, um, found the ring in a cave and then took it back to his home. And as uh, the story unfurls, um, his... Uh, Relation, um, Frodo Baggins, who is that guy there, um, is uh, tasked with, now that they've, they found the ring and they know what it's about, they are tasked with taking it back to Mount Doom, which is the volcano where it was made. And basically what they have to do is throw the ring into the volcano so it will be destroyed. And who helps Frodo with this task is a group of nine people called the, the, the Fellowship, who are people that will protect him and take him on the journey to Mount Doom because it's quite dangerous. So that is basically the massive overview of Lord of the Rings. But today, who we're going to focus on is this character. Does anyone know the name of this character? Samwise Gamgee, yes. And Sam is Frodo's best friend. It's actually his gardener that turns into his best friend and take, goes with Frodo throughout the journey. And I want to pull out through Sam's story, um, throughout, the, the, throughout the story, um, principles of what it takes to be a number two, what it takes to be a good follower. Now, this isn't by any means an exhaustive list of all of the facets that make a good follower, but it's just from the story of the Lord of the Rings, what kind of things can we pull out? So the first one is commitment. So we're going to play this clip.
some ways, Gamji. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. Gets me every time. <laughs> so in that, in uh, this part of the story, Frodo um, has decided that it's probably best if he goes alone to Mordor because it's too dangerous for everyone to go. And as he says there, I'm going to Mordor alone. And then Sam says, of course you are, and I'm going with you. Um, I think that line is important. Sam said, I made a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And a question that uh, I posed to the discussion group at P17 was, do you believe a commitment to those you follow needs to be stated, or can it just be assumed? In that, in that part of the film, in the story, Sam clearly says, states his commitment to Frodo, and then follows it up with action. He does a very stupid thing. He goes into water when he can't swim, but it's that thing of that he follows the word, uh, he follows the state of his conviction of, I'm not going to leave you with action, even if it's a bit dangerous. And in the discussion groups, what um, it, was, it was quite interesting, actually. It was kind of split 50-50. Some people were saying, doesn't need to be stated because surely the action, surely me serving this person, surely me encouraging this person, surely me doing all of this stuff is commitment enough. Um, it doesn't need to be stated because actions speak louder than words is the phrase that we often hear. But then the other half of the room are saying, but if you don't state it, is it just a thing of, is it just, I don't know, if it's not stated, are you nailing your mask, uh, what's the term again? That's the one. Are you stating this is what I'm going to do? That I am saying this because I'm holding myself to it. And it was, yeah, it was really interesting. And I think that, um, it, yeah, that I have a thought on that later. But it was just interesting to hear the mix. Um, actually, by show of hands, who thinks that commitment needs to be stated? That's interesting. Again, it's that kind of 50-50 split. Um, yeah, I'll go into my thoughts about that in a second. But then the other question that we posed was, Sam was in danger by wading into the water. What would wading into the water mean in pursuit of those you've committed to? I think that was a really interesting question that got people <laughs> thinking and not necessarily with an answer straight away in the short time that we had. But again, it's that thing of Sam did something very, very dangerous in his pursuit of Frodo. In his pursuit of committing to Frodo, he walked into the water, did something very stupid, and Frodo had to rescue him. But it was still something that Sam had to do to put himself in danger. And I wonder, for those that we have committed to, what would that look like? And we can use the generic term of going out of your comfort zone. It's not doing the stuff that satisfies you, that not the stuff that satisfies your comfortability, your peace, everything like that. But it's going beyond that in commitment of the other person, and sometimes even unto death. We're called to die to ourselves daily to, so that we can become more like Christ. And I wonder if part of that is, as we commit to each other, we die to those parts of ourselves so that we can help 
um, support and encourage those that, um, that we have chosen to follow. And the greatest example of this is Jesus, that even unto death, he laid himself down in, in his servant heart. He was the servant king. He gave everything up um, to serve us. And I think that... I wonder if we are that committed, that we know what commitment is, we demonstrate in different ways to different people, but it's a big challenge to think that am I committed enough to the people that I have chosen to commit myself to, that I will go even unto death, even to dying to parts of myself, that I wouldn't, I would rather keep intact, that I wouldn't want to lose. Um, but back to the first point about does commitment need to be stated? I think a really interesting story from the Bible is Ruth on this. I'm just going to read this passage. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So we know the story of Ruth. Uh, um, Naomi had come um, into Moab. Uh, she'd, um, her sons had married, and then all of the men of the family died, and they were stuck in Moab. But then Naomi decided to go back to her homeland. And Ruth was... This passage perfectly demonstrates her commitment. It was, I'm not leaving. I'm going to go with you. And I think that based on the discussions that we had at P17, it made me think about this a bit more. Does commitment need to be stated? Because I, I think beforehand, I didn't think so. I thought, I'm, I'm doing this stuff. I'm serving Jamie. I'm serving Darren. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm encouraging them. That's enough. But after P17, it made me think about it and go, no, I think I need to, I need, I think I need to state it. Because it's that thing of, I am holding myself to account, but I'm also making that relationship clear. Clear as day. There's no ifs or buts about it. The person that I am following, the person that is spearheading something, they are in no doubt that that is my commitment to them. And I think that that's right. And I think that Ruth's commitments has a precedent for that kind of thing. So it is, yeah, that's really interesting about are we committed enough to go even unto death? And are we prepared to state our commitment to those that we follow? The second principle that we can learn from Sam is the ability to confront. So let's watch this clip. What are you doing?
So in this part of the story, um, the ring has a power of its own and it wants to get back to the evil lord. So over the course of the story, the power of the ring is overtaking Frodo. So at the beginning of the story, they are tasked with taking the ring to Mordor and destroying it. But as the power of the ring takes over, it kind of compels Frodo at some points to try and give up the ring. And what we see here is at this point in the story, Sam has faithfully followed Frodo, seen him make some questionable decisions, but still carries on going. But this is the first clear point that Frodo, uh, sorry, that Sam actually tackles, physically tackles Frodo and stops him doing something that is going to be really stupid. Um, and it, the principle that I wanted to pull out of here is uh, being a better follower is this a thing to the ability to confront. So the question that we posed to the group was why may it be sometimes why may it be sometimes necessary to confront someone who leads you? This is the bit of the uncomfortable bit of the discussions because we were like, it, yeah, like you don't want to think of it in those terms. You don't want to think that the people that I follow, the people that I have chosen to commit to, I don't want to have to think about the fact that sometimes I might have to confront them. I might have to confront a decision that isn't necessarily the one I would have made or an action that you've seen that you then have to go back to them. Why may it be necessary sometimes? Yeah, like I said, a questionable decision has been made or an action has been made that you wouldn't necessarily agree with. We were able to give examples quite freely about why you may have to confront someone, but then we asked the second question, which was Sam tackles Frodo to protect what he has. Would you class yourself as brave enough to confront those you serve? So it's quite easy to say, oh, I can confront, the reasons you would confront someone is because of this and because of that, because they did this, because they did that. But then it comes on to, but would you be brave enough to do it? Ah, that's when things got a little bit more divided, because some people are like, yeah, I'll do it. But a lot of people, including me, were like, it's difficult. It's difficult to confront someone, um, especially if they're in leadership. There is this like, unwritten rule, isn't it, that they're in leadership. You shouldn't question the leader. That's really bad. That's, that is undermining them. That's something like that. But would you class yourself as brave enough is something that I guess it isn't relevant if we look at it in the context of this. Am I committing to a person or am I committing to the task? And I think so often in Christendom it's quite easy to commit to a task, commit to a thing that we have to accomplish together. Commit to, uh, so like say um, with uh, Heather and I serving Jamie with the youth leadership, it's easy to say, okay, we've got this Friday session to plan. We've got this training to do. We've got this tribe to plan, all of this kind of stuff. It's easy to commit to a task, but then it's a little bit more difficult when I'm committing to a person because then it, it because if I'm committing to a task, I can just be like, oh, well, I don't want to ruin my friendship with that person. I don't want to make things awkward because that will make us achieving the task a little bit more difficult. Um, that will make things a little bit awkward. It sounds silly to say, but I know we've, I have definitely had that thought process so many times. But if I'm committed to the person, 
it matters to me when I see something that I don't think is right. It matters to me that I see an action that I necessarily don't think I would have done. And I think that that is, I think that is how we frame this thing of, are we brave enough to confront? I think it's that thing of through love and because of love for that person, we have to seek the Holy Spirit to empower us to be able to do that which we wouldn't necessarily want to do in our own strength. Because I think to be a better follower is to necessarily confront sometimes. And I think that isn't necessarily confronting in the terms of, wow, what you did was really bad. That was so bad. I wouldn't have done it like that. That was, that's rubbish what you just did. There's ways of doing it, but again, it's that thing, if I'm committed to the person, I love the person, so in love I can confront, in love I can correct. And I think that that is just an interesting topic that I would encourage you to mull over um, when you're thinking of that person that you're holding in your mind about who you're supporting. Am I committed to them, or are I committed to the task? And again, after P17, I had to do some reviews, I guess, of the things that I'm committed to. And thinking, am I committed to the person that's leading that, or am I committed to the task? And it led to some very interesting and difficult conversations, but it was necess- I felt it was necessary to do that. Um, how long do I... Wow, okay. <laughs> um, holding vision... I'll burn through this then. Uh, let's look at this clip.
I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. That's one of the best lines of the film. Um, so we're at Mount Doom. Frodo's really, really close to destroying the ring, but he's physically exhausted now. And then Sam says, I'll carry you. Um, so this is about holding vision. Um, I'm going to jump through the questions to get to the final point. That sometimes we can experience the person that we're, that we're supporting uh, seeing an unwillingness to carry on through various different things, through tiredness, through trials, through exhaustion, and all that kind of stuff. And what do we do at those points? We hold vision. We hold the vision for them when they can't carry it for themselves. So we can carry them in it. And I think that a clear example of this was uh, the story of Esther. Um, so then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials, sorry, back on. Sorry. Uh, all the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they are to be put to death unless the king extends the golden scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to be with the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you're in the king's household, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family's father's family will perish and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai go gather all the Jews in Susa and fast for me do not eat or drink for three days night or day I and my attendants will fast as you do when this is done I will go to the king even though it is against the law and if I perish I perish in that position Mordecai Esther was the one on the ground. Esther was the one that was leading all of this. But Mordecai was able to envision her and say, maybe you have been put in the palace for such a time as this. And I think that the final thing that I want to draw out from Sam's story is that he carried Frodo and he couldn't go on anymore. And that speaks of holding a vision for someone. When the person that I've, commit, I've committed to supporting says, I can't do it, it's really hard, it's my, I think my responsibility in that is to help encourage them and say, remember what God brought to you. Remember what God said. Remember that you are gunning for something far bigger than what you can see at the moment. So there, that was just a brief thing of what we did at P17 about Lord of the Rings. So the three principles that we pulled out were commitment, the ability to confront and the ability to hold vision for someone. So like I said, as you hold that person in your mind of someone that you've decided to support, um, that you've decided to put your weight behind, I would encourage you to think of these three principles. Um, I can send you the notes on this um, if you'd like me to. Um, but yeah, I think that's what we did. Thank you.